Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Every time you've got the word management manager, in your title, whatever you're a property manager or a project manager or a manager, it's all about dealing with problems. It, that's, that's what that means. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we continue the conversation with property manager and founder of NextGen Property Management. Chris Dimitropoulos. We delve into his journey of creating his company, learn about the strategies that he has used, find out his motivations for starting property and much, much more. We delve into Dimitropoulos' strategy and the types of properties that he looks for to add to his portfolio. As I was saying before, I'm, I'm really risk averse. So my strategy is pretty simple. Um, I love to buy property that's close to transport. Um, I love to buy property where um, jobs are. Um, and I love to buy as close to the CBD as possible. So uh, all, of, all of my Sydney and Melbourne properties are probably within a 10K radius of um, off the CBD and they're all right next to a train station or a tram station or something like that. Um, and that's, you know, um, that's one part of the puzzle. The other one, give it time basically. So I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a materialistic person. W- when I buy, I buy forever and I hope I never have to sell, even though I might be forced. There's a couple, couple of my properties I don't really, uh, they're not my favourites, so I might have to let them go at some point, but I bought for life and I bought close to where the fundamentals are um, and let them do that do their thing um, so I, um, I bought um, the properties in Sydney um, I let them go through two cycles I use the equity to go to Melbourne um, all of my Sydney properties are positively geared all of my Melbourne properties are for growth um, so I've got apartments in Sydney and I've got um, townhouses and, and land and houses in, in Melbourne uh, so the Sydney properties are helping to maintain my Melbourne properties, um, and that's the that's the secret by where the fundamentals are and let time do its thing for me. Being in property management himself, we learn about whether he manages the property or if he has someone on the ground helping him out. I manage the ones in Sydney, and I now also manage the ones in Melbourne. So we manage them from here. I've got someone on the ground in Melbourne that holds the keys, but we do everything from here. And um, you know, the world the world of property management is changing. So um, I, I decided to go um, into property management about five years ago because of so many other people. I wasn't really happy. I thought it's easy and anybody can do it. And surely myself with um, I've got degrees and I've got masters along the way um, and a lot of corporate experience before I moved into property management. I thought, how hard can it be? Anybody can do it. But 
the truth is it's it's hard it's a, it's a hard work and but it's changing and um, there's a lot of technology that can help and you you know you can do a lot of things remotely and do a great job if your business is set up to be efficient and all the systems are there then allows time to do all of those mundane things that really um, you know burn property managers out so yeah so the, in answer to your question I manage all of my properties myself um, just before Christmas for example we had two uh, vacancies, two broken leases in Melbourne. Uh, within two days of each other, uh, we advertised everything from here, and uh, um, I just had the person on the ground to do one open. They both uh, rented, and I have to say, uh, since I took over, my rents are a lot healthier and a lot better because I can see from here. You now, for example, one of them I managed to get an extra fifty dollars uh, that the previous property, the local property manager, wouldn't. Um, wouldn't support me on. So I advertised from here $50 more and I got that and both properties were um, more, a lot more basically than they were previously um, rented for from the local property manager. We find out more about his journey from working for IBM to eventually opening up his own property management business. That was until about five years ago. So I... Um, so I was a project manager, you know, I started as a software developer, then I moved into project management and program management and um, my last job was a, a very senior role managing hundreds of, tens of millions of uh, dollars of projects and massive teams of uh, hundreds of people and, um, and, and that, was the, um, that was the thing for me that made me think maybe I should do my own business because a lot of the skills that I had developed around comms and dealing with people and influencing and um, and all my IT background, these are all good skills to have if you start your own business and if it's a property management business as well. So I did that until about five years ago. Um, and um, five years ago, I, was, uh, I wanted to do something for myself for a change because there is no safety uh, in the corporate world. Um, and uh, people were getting men redundant left, right and centre. I could see that. Um, I did try for a dance, to be honest, for myself, but uh, I think if you're good at your job, uh, it's a bit, unless you get caught up in some sort of big restructure, people are keeping you in these big redundancies in the corporates because if you're good at your job, they need you to continue to do the job. So that's the irony of the corporate world. But I wanted to do something for myself and um, there wasn't anything else for me to do uh, to, to do there and I was um, um, getting a bit down on my luck. and. And, and uh, for a couple of years, you know, I was really, I wouldn't say depressed, but, but very close to that. And on those moments, thinking about my portfolio um, and thinking that I've got an out, like if worse comes to worse, I can probably sell two or three properties and, and I've got an out and many other people don't have that opportunity. So that was that kept me going. And, and so it gave me, you know, and, and I was looking to start a business. What do I do? Uh, and I thought, well, I love real estate. I looked at a couple of things, but I love real estate. So I'm, I have to do something with real estate. And what suits my personality better, that's property management. So that's how I uh, made the journey and uh, started the, uh, my business then. I've been building it now on the side for a couple of years. I started building it on the side about two or three years ago. Um, I, I, I couldn't, because I, I still have all those mortgages basically, so it wasn't possible. But uh, I was able to do it on the side. Um, the first thing I did was um, I found someone that would help me. Um, I, I looked for the best property manager that I could find and I was lucky to find someone um, that's, that's, that, that I think, and I'm speaking as a landlord here, I think this is fantastic and she's loyal, she's uh, organised, uh, her heart's in the right place and and um, and we've been building it together basically since um, 
but um, I do have a uh, yeah I do have uh, lots of dreams and plans to build it up but um, I don't you know necessarily want to do it for the money or anything like that for me I just love to you know I call it my third child basically I want to get to a point where you know build something that's uh, that I'm proud of and I help myself I manage my own property so I want to manage other people's properties just the same. In terms of his property portfolio, we learn about the different ways he's able to manage it and improve it. I can tell you my rents at the moment are um, basically a lot more than I ever got from others. Um, and I'm pushing the envelope. Um, I ne- look, you know, busy, uh, busy day to day, you never look at these things. But what one of the things that I've realized a little while back is that if you don't, as a landlord, if you don't push the property manager, your property is most likely 10, 20, 30, 50. I've even seen $100 less to where it should be. Um, I think that's a, that's a main issue. Generally, I can tell you property managers are a bit reluctant to put the rent up because uh, it's not a lot of money for them. It's a lot of work, plus they might upset the tenant and the tenant might go, uh, or they have to have the hard conversation. So there's a reluctance in the industry to keep up with the rents. Um, and as a result, um, and I urge everybody that I know to do a quick search, go online, have a look at your similar properties and see what they're renting for. Um, I had a property uh, come to us that is that was $100 a week less to other properties. It hadn't, the rent hadn't put up for weeks. He's a busy executive, uh, never cared to look or anything like that. So identical properties in his building were renting for $720 and his, his was 620 and he hadn't put up in, in five years. Um, so that's, that's real money basically. So um, that's been left on the table. When you hire people to work on your property, you have to put a lot of trust in them to do the job correctly. Dimitropolis explains how his company provides better service than any other property managers in the market. As a property manager, it's easy to forget, right? So you got to build it you got to build it in your property, into your processes. For us, we got to do um, we do inspections every every six months, and part of our processes we're going to do a rent review uh, every six months as well. And I'm not talking about you know the formal letters. I'm talking about is five properties that are nearby to yours. This is what's happening. It doesn't. It's not that hard, but it keeps everybody on the toes. So the landlords get you know, and I, I do this. You know, I want that myself as a landlord my own properties i open the section i have a look and see what's happening and sometimes you know you go okay it's fine or you can see property you know the rent moving upwards and you go okay well let's just let's just start thinking maybe in six months we'll put it up by five or ten dollars because if you do it that way it's not a big deal but if i have to catch up on a hundred dollars then the interest is at 25 dollars you know that's what we've been doing and the risk every time we have to manage that up you know on on that example that i gave we have to manage the, the rent increase, we have to give them a call and explain with example why they still like $70 less, for example, to another property upstairs and it's okay to pay $20 but, you know, it's, it's hard. But if you do it 5 or $10 and you keep on your toes every six or 12 months, um, uh, then it's an easier sell and you keep up with the market. Dimitrophilus shares with us why the market in Sydney has become more stagnant in recent times. It's basically oversupply. So um, it's the apartments oversupply that's all over Sydney. So uh, with so many apartments, especially in the big um, in the big uh, areas like you know Parramatta or Liverpool, uh, everywhere you see uh, big towers coming up, uh, rents are 
stagnating and probably dropping as well. I mean, I've heard of rents going backwards by 10, 20, 30, 40 dollars, and I've seen it as well. I've seen rents that went back by a hundred dollars somewhere. Um, I mean, you know, people don't see because they look at average. So other pockets are fine, other pockets are struggling. Um, if you're in Sydney at the moment, I would say look after your tenant. You don't want him to go. Um, we have to, as, as Sydney investors, we have to weather the next year or so. So let's be as accommodating as we can. And then, you know, with every cycle, uh, you know, it'll come back, basically. It'll all come back. But for now, uh, just be mindful of it um, and uh, look after your tenants. Canterbury, all of those are struggling at the moment. And, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got a property that's coming to us to be managed. It's been completed in April. It's on Canterbury Road. Uh, it's going to go on the market and I'm going to be competing with probably 50 identical properties. So, uh, you know, you know what that's going to do to the to the rent, basically. I mean, it, it all get, you know, the good news is it all gets absorbed. There's tenants out there, but the old days of property managers putting an ad out there and uh, leaving it and people come, you know, tenants lining up and come begging, they're gone. So um, we have to work really, really hard to fill um, vacancies quickly. Um, and, you know, for us, um, I was saying before, I've got an IT background, so I'm really big in stats. So I watch um, statistics to see views of my ad. Um, I, I see, I, I save every other property, for example, on the suburb that's competing with us to see what they're doing. Are they putting the rents down? Um, how many open, how many opens do they hold a week and up? So, th- you know, it's, it's basically a dogfight. And unless as a property manager, you have time to, um, work hard to, uh, at time to sort of dedicate yourself into uh, pulling all these tricks. Properties can go vacant for weeks. I have to say for Melbourne as well, it's, it's, it's not the same. So Melbourne, I think they, they have had the, um, you know, the down times and, and rents are picking up in Melbourne. So if, if anyone is listening from Melbourne, they're in a much better position and um, they can be a lot more aggressive with the rents. I think um, I, I have two vacancies in Melbourne and we rented those uh, on the one opening, we had two or three applications. Whereas in Sydney, we'll show to fifty, pe- you know, to twenty-five people say, and we might get one. And if we chase them and drop the rent a bit, so that's that's the scenario. I have to say though, just to, just for fairness, it's not everywhere in Sydney. So if the quality properties always rent, and you don't have to do catwalks for them, so that's a that's an, that's my advice to uh, to investors. Um, uh, when you, you know, when you buy a property, and I, I did the same mistake before I got into the business, trying to think a little bit about the the demographic that's, you know, the, the, the tenant demographic that's going to go in it, and and also think about the, um, you know, the, I call it inhibitors. What are the things that that um, tenant are going to stop that tenant from getting the property? For example, a, a big thing for me is don't buy a property that's on the top floor of a building that doesn't have a lift, because Immediately, you cut out uh, all of the older people, anybody that can't climb stairs, anybody that's unfit, and all of that. In a in a landlord's market, it doesn't matter, but in a in a tenant's market, all of those little things make a difference. Uh, but yeah, so, quality property um, that's got certain characteristics, um, uh, even at the lowest of times, like Sydney's now, will always rent, and you always get rents from it. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people and letting them do their job. Find the right people and use them. Just let them do their thing. 
um, and you'll probably find that um, you know a lot better in the long run. Uh, the properties that you buy are, are more better quality. Why he will be starting his whole property journey over again? Uh, to be honest, I, I'm about to I'm about to relive this whole thing with my kids. And that's next. I'm Taran Shum, and you're listening to Property Invest Story. We delve deeper into property management and discover how he keeps his company competitive. I have to say, there's not a lot of money to be made for the the amount of work that goes in. Um, the value uh, in property management is on the rent roll, basically, because that's an asset that can be resold. Uh, so that's that's got a value. But in terms of the uh, in terms of the fees that you collect and all of that kind of stuff, especially with the competition that there is in, uh, in Sydney at the moment, uh, and the and the fees, you, you know, to compete, you have to drop the fees, especially like myself. Um, whose business, I don't have a sales department, all we do is property management. Someone like us that don't have um, properties coming in from the sales department um, to compete, I I, I really need to be, you know, mindful of their fees. Uh, And that's okay. I'm a a lean business. I'm a startup. Everything is optimized. I don't have a big franchise name. So, um, but um, the way that the industry compensates in quality basically. So fees drop and then qual- you know, quality drops, um, expectations drop. Um, so um, there is no minimum, I should say, but I know some people have like, you know, five, that I know of a rental of 5,000 properties. I mean, that's worth millions and someone that owns that makes a lot of money, but that's not the case with me, I guess. And I have to say the, the property managers, uh, and I know a lot of people are angry with the property managers and all of that, but I can tell you now that I'm in the industry, it's a lot of hard work. I can also say, look, we'll reveal everything. Your property managers don't get paid that much. So it, the basic salary is probably between 60 you know, to 80K a year. Um, but if you think of all the work that they do and always on the toes and running around, and, and to be honest, when you know, every time you've got the word management manager, in your title, whatever you're a property manager or a project manager or a manager, it's all about dealing with problems. It that's that's what that means, managing problems. It doesn't mean managing the wins. Other people get the wins. You just manage the problems. So the property managers themselves don't get paid very well. Um, the bigger the rent roll, the more money I guess uh, the business makes, but not necessarily the property managers. Sometimes it is not until you have been in both positions that you can fully understand the work that goes into a certain job. That's what I would say. As a landlord, I never saw that. Now that I also manage properties, I can see it. So I can see both sides of the coin. Um, and, and if you want to have a fair business where you, you know, you treat everybody with respect and you fair to the tenants and the landlords, that's that, that little triangle property manager, landlord, and tenant. If that works in it, almost in a partnership, then that's the best outcome. Because uh, things will go wrong, but if there's understanding, um, then then it works well. And that that's kind of the philosophy that I've brought in. I'm up. I'm always, I've always, uh, as a landlord, I've always looked after my tenants because they pay my mortgage. Um, and then if I can help him, I will. I'm appreciative of them being there and all of that. And, and, and in, in all fairness, a lot of landlords are like that. So um, the professional landlords, they don't really care. They fix things. They understand they need to look after tenants. Uh, and then the tenants are in turn respect the property and, and pay it back, basically. So that's, that's the best scenario. But it doesn't happen everywhere. 
we hear about what his biggest motivation was for jumping into the property industry and investing. For me, and I'm not going to talk about the early years, which was all about saving tax and that was that was silly. But the minute that I understood what it is to be an investor, it was all about safety. And what when I'm what I mean about safety, safety when I'm 65 or 70, the, the last 40 years of my life, it's not about you know the middle part. The middle part, I, I've always assumed it's going to be my accumulation, but I've always wanted to have uh, safety from 60 onwards, um, 65, when I retire, I want to have a good life then, and and, um, and and then also help my kids as well. So that's that's what that was the motivation for me. Um, and, I'm, and I can't say that, you know, I was thinking, that's what I was thinking every day, because you, you get into a, this frenzy kind of, you know, when I was buying properties, I went from like buying one every two or three years, into buying a couple at the same time, um, then it became this obsession of buying more. Um, and, and it's not that I've done the numbers that I need, you know, 11 um, or whatever, but I knew the more I could get my hands on, the better I would be in the, in the long run. Um, so, yeah, that's that was my mindset for a long time. So I was completely obsessed with buying property. Um, and what the second aha moment that I talked about was uh, I found a great buyer's um, agent um, and it, you know, and in my view, finding a good buyer's agent is like striking gold. Basically, it's the equivalent of that. Um, and not only because they find new quality property, but also because they find new quality people. Like they come with quality people, like the mortgage broker. So up to that stage, I was going to the bank, and you know, dealing with the bank directly. Um, and they told me, "There's no way you can, we can give you any more money. That's it. No more playing." You know this game um so i was stuck uh but he was able to put me in contact with a great mortgage broker um he was amazing and then he un unlocked the potential basically um so it was that kind of thing so finding the right people uh is absolutely imperative i think and then trust them let them do the thing let let them do the thing don't interfere because this is another is another lesson that I, um, I would like to share as well so the first property that i bought in melbourne i uh, I used the buyer's agent um, and that I found on the internet, um, and they, they didn't buy me a good property. Uh, the suburb was great, but the property wasn't right, um, and I can't really blame them. I think the issue there was that I came from Sydney with a mindset of what the property needs to look like, and I bought the same property in Melbourne, only Melbourne is diff it's a different beast. Uh, but they, they bought me the property that I wanted, and that was wrong. So, but, you know, but so that was the lesson. Uh, for me, uh, find the right expert and let them do the thing. Don't interfere. They're in the business every day. Um, they know more than they know more than you. And even me, I'm in property management. And you think, okay, I'm into property. I can make decisions. No, I can't because I'm not out there uh, every day looking at property, looking at suburbs, looking at streets, looking at what market is going. Whether he had any mentors throughout his journey, or if there were other resources that he leaned on, it came back to the classics. To be honest, I didn't. And for a long time, I was just. I, um, I was just doing it on my own. I kind of knew it was the right thing, but I had my doubts. Uh, then, um, then I started. Uh, you know, one day I was in a bookshop and I found some of Mark Yardney's books, um, and I thought they were fascinating because um, they, they, they did two things for me. One is they confirmed that I'm not crazy, and others are doing it good. Uh, the second, <laughs> the the other thing that he did is he showed me a now. So 
you know, he, he showed me what it all meant and how you would transition from accumulation into getting out of it, basically, what it all means, you know, what does, it, what does accumulating wealth mean? So, so I read his books quite religiously over the years um, and a few others as well, but Michael Yarden's books uh, stuck in me. And I was actually uh, very fortunate to meet him in person last year and it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a great moment. Um, but... Um, um, that that was uh, that was in terms of resources. That was a good set. I mean, the other thing is uh, through his books as well. I also uh, went into reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, and that was a that was an amazing book as well uh, for me. And that was part of the catalyst why I decided that um, I needed to start my business because of absolutely no safety in the corporate world. A few years ago, I, I didn't. I can't say that I had mentors per se. Um, uh, but it all clicked, it all came, and I understood. And then spending time online and reading and stuff like that, that, all, that uh, sort of made it all uh, uh, prove that I was on the right track, I guess. Dimitropoulos shares with us the best piece of advice that he has ever received. The best advice would be what I was saying before, don't do it alone. So uh, 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 my, my kids, are, my daughter's 18, I'm a son 16, so uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse back into me being a 16 and 18 year old and trying to um, sort of relive those early days through them. And and my advice my advice through my own experiences and listening to others is do not do it alone because there's only you know unless you're in the business you don't know what you're doing basically. And this and, and unless you can devote a ton of research, I know some people are you know, in their research and demographic and stats and ABS and whatever else, but unless uh, if you're a busy professional like I was, uh, use it, find the right people and use them. Just let them do their thing. Um, and you'll probably find that um, you're a lot better in the long run. Uh, the properties that you buy are, are more better quality. Some of the most successful people in the world are habitually by nature and live by routine. We learn about some of the habits that have helped him along the way. I am relentless. I, I, I don't, like I work probably from the minute I wake up in the morning until one o'clock every night. So I don't stop uh, and I'm relentless and, and I wake up in the morning with a smile on my face. So um, uh, you have to be relentless at what you do. And if you work hard enough, I think um, it, it'll come to you. I don't think it, I don't think it has to do with, uh, you know, some amazing gift or whatever. It's just stick to the fundamentals and work hard and it will happen for you. So I... I wake up and I think about property and, you know, and uh, I go to sleep and I think the same. And my poor wife, who, by the way, you know, has nothing to do with property other than listening to me every day. Um, she's my sounding board. Um, as long as she contributes much as she cares, but she's my sounding board. So, you, you know, I talk about it all the time. So you got to be obsessed about it. So it's all like always constantly talk about it. And and what was it, when I was buying, it was the same. I want to do this. I want to do that. I mean, a, a funny story. Uh, today I was I'm in church on a Sunday morning, and my I get a text uh, from uh, my buyer's agent in in Melbourne. It's, it's Melbourne Cup Day, and and an agent organised a uh, Melbourne Cup weekend. And an agent organised an auction on that Sunday. Nobody turned up, and she said to me, "You know the property that we saw for such a such price? They're desperate." It just the auction just happened and nobody turned up. Um, so do you want it? And and I'm texting, you know, under under you know, hiding my phone in church because I wanted to stitch up the deal. So you know, um, that kind of obsession. So um, whenever the opportunity, just jump at it, basically. 
nothing's given to you that are in this world. I mean, that's that's what I found. And it's only through hard work. There is no silver bullet. Uh, I haven't seen anybody that just, uh, you know, and I'm speaking to a lot of uh, investors uh, and um, even the most successful ones, uh, unless you're unrelentless and you work hard, it doesn't happen for you. There is no magic bullet for, for everyone. And if there is and anybody's promising you that, then I'd say run away because that doesn't exist. There are many things we wish we could go back and tell our younger selves. We find out what Dimitropoulos would say to his past self. Ten years ago, I bought that off-the-plan property. That was 2010. Um, I would have said, don't buy that. Um, buy two or three between 2010 and 2012. I supposed to waste those t- two golden years. Um, but, you know, in general, I would have said, just, just go harder. Uh, be more ambitious. Uh, it doesn't, long term, you'll be fine. You might get the lows um, at the end of the cycle, but forget about that. Um, just keep keep buying as soon as you can and buy um, as many as you can, and then you'll be right in the long term. And that's what I would have said. I've wasted, I think, a couple of years. Um, I sort of bought more then. We find out about what Dimitropolis is looking forward to achieving in the near future. To be honest, I, I'm about to. I'm about to relive this whole thing with my kids. So I've uh, one of those dads that's, uh, you know, I said before, it's all about family. So my kids, uh, I've been brainwashing them slowly and steadily over the uh, 20 years. Uh, they both have the little deposits. They both have uh, two jobs. Um, I've got a girl and a, and a boy. And my girl's 19 and my son's about 10, 17. Uh, they both have uh, money on the side. Stuff. They really want the money and they already have, uh, they already know um, that, you know, in about two to three years, uh, they'll be buying the first property um, and now start the journey again. But uh, that, that's one aspect. The other aspect, of course, is my business. Uh, I'm absolutely proud of, about building it up from scratch and um, and all of that and just, just looking after my properties through it, but also looking after other other people's uh, properties just, just the same. So, yeah, the next five years will probably be build up my business and also help my kids uh, start on the right foot as well. Last question I have for you and um, this is to really wrap up the whole episode is how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it is because of luck? There's no such a thing as luck um, and I think it's, it's to do with what I was saying before. I think um, I was lucky enough for a few things to click in the in the old days and to jump at the opportunities that I had and to be relentless about it for a period of 15 years. Um, I think that's what it was. It, it isn't anything, you know, to do with intelligence, super intelligence or some silver bullet that I've got. Uh, stick to the fundamentals um, and be patient and I think good things will come. Thank you to Chris Dimitropoulos, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear his full story, simply visit propertyinveststory.com.